You're listening to Comedy Central. May 28, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. could not be more excited is an Oscar-winning actor who is back with season two of her HBO hit show, Big Little Lies. Reese Witherspoon is joining us, everybody! We're gonna have a great time. Also on the show, President Trump steps into the sumo ring. El Chapo wants to speak to the manager, and China is watching us. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's begin with the big news from Great Britain. For three years, Prime Minister Theresa May has been trying to make Brexit work. But now, the only thing Brexiting is her. Tonight, high political drama in London. After months of intense pressure and speculation, British Prime Minister Theresa May finally giving up the job she'd always wanted, throwing in the towel. I will shortly leave the job that it has been the honor of my life to hold. I do so with no ill will, but with enormous and enduring gratitude to have had the opportunity to serve the country I love. Aww. (laughs) That was really sad. But yes, Theresa May has resigned as Prime Minister of Great Britain. And this really was a metaphor for Brexit, this whole moment, because she says she's leaving as Prime Minister and then goes back into the Prime Minister's house. Like, <laughs> I thought you were leaving. Shouldn't you go the other way? It would have been funny, though, if that door was locked and she couldn't get back in. <laughs> if she was just like, the country that I love. <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> it's, it's locked. Barry, open up. Barry, it's the Prime Minister. Actually, ma'am, you resigned. We changed the locks when you were crying outside. <laughs> Also, I'll also never get over the fact that the Prime Minister's house in the UK just opens out onto the street. Like, this is their White House, right? But it looks like you could just slip a Chinese menu under the door. Like, <laughs> can you imagine running your government but having to deal with being on a regular block? You know, it's just like, we must mobilize our forces to protect... Shh, there's kids at the door trying to sell candy. Everyone act like we're not here. <laughs> act like we're not here. All right, moving on. Uh, if you're sick and tired of the traffic and you just want to get away, bad news... Away has traffic, too. Alarming concerns with overcrowding at the top of Mount Everest. A human traffic jam. Climbers packed like sardines waiting to summit the world's highest peak. Overcrowding in the so-called death zone can be especially dangerous because oxygen is scarce. We saw a climber that had taken a fall, um, had obviously um, hit their head, lost their life, and that climber was fixed to the safety lines. And every single person that had to climb that night had to step over, you know, that person's lifeless body. Okay, I feel bad for anyone that has died. But I do have a question. Why are we still climbing Mount Everest? (laughs) This is a very serious question I have. Like, it's extremely dangerous. And don't ask me, just ask all the dead bodies that are up there. They don't randomly show up. 
Also, the guy said it was a safety line. If the person died on a safety line, then it's not a safe line. <laughs> All of this shit is crazy. And then he's like, and we had to step over the... No, you don't have to step over the body. Like, you don't have to. That's a choice that you were making, my man. Let me tell you something. Anytime I see a dead body, I go back the way I came. <laughs> I say, thank you for the warning, dead body. I'm out. Like, I I genuinely don't get the point. People are just littering on Mount Everest. Even if you get to the top of the mountain, it's already been done. Look how many people are climbing it. Look at how many people are there, huh? We're six months away for them opening a Baba Gumps up there. That's how commercial has become. (laughs) And the craziest part, the craziest part about all of this is that the permit to climb Mount Everest costs $11,000. Yeah. So people are paying $11,000 to maybe die. Yeah. Let me tell you something. You give me $11,000 and I'll maybe kill you. Yeah. No snow, no travel. I'll just show up to your house with some gas station sushi and we'll take a chance. We'll just go into it from there. This is like a wild story. And finally, and some crazy news, El Chapo, the infamous drug kingpin and the world's most dangerous marshmallow is currently serving a life sentence in a maximum security prison. But people still aren't sure that he's locked up for good. The infamous drug kingpin El Chapo managed extraordinary escapes from two prisons in Mexico. Now U.S. authorities worry he is looking to do the same right here. Prosecutors are fighting a request by former Sinaloa cartel chief Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. The 61-year-old wants two hours of outdoor exercise a week, earplugs to block out prison noise, and the ability to buy bottled water at the commissary. Prosecutors say the request for outdoor exercise for El Chapo is especially risky because the only outdoor exercise space at that Manhattan prison is on the roof. Ah, El Chapo. (laughs) I love how everyone assumes everything he does is always a plan to escape. (laughs) Anytime he asks for something, we all just reverse MacGyver it in our heads because he's like, could I please have some earplugs and bottled water? And God is like, yeah, right. So you can knock me out with the bottle and then put the earplugs in the water and then they expand and then you can cushion your fall when you jump off the roof. (laughs) Nice try. I'm not falling for that. Don't give him any. Well, God damn it. He took my keys. (laughs) Like one of the funniest details in the story is that El Chapo is asking to go outside to work out because he says his cell is noisy and too small, and he doesn't get enough fresh air. Uh, El Chapo, that's not prison. That's just living in New York, my friend. Yeah. That's all that is. Wait until you see how much your rent goes up next month. I was actually thinking, here's my pitch. Instead of us stressing about El Chapo escaping from a New York prison, let's just send him to Britain, all right? Yeah, he's so good at escaping. Maybe we can just get him to help with Brexit, all right? If anyone can figure out a way to get out of the European Union, it'll be him. In six weeks, he'll be standing at that same podium like, I tried my hardest, but I must resign. I cannot do this anymore. Goodbye. (laughs) Barry, Barry, open the door. God damn it, Barry! (laughs) All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. Our main story takes place in Japan. Since ancient times... This proud nation has endured many bizarre creatures coming in and wreaking havoc all over their country. And over the weekend, it happened again when President Trump landed in Tokyo (laughs) to meet with Japan's prime minister. Now, President Trump wasn't just in Japan to check out their impressive tentacle porn. No, he was also there for a four-day state visit about trade, North Korea, and military cooperation. And because of that, the Japanese bent over backwards to make Trump feel at home. 
Prime Minister Abe has used this state visit to continue his charm offensive with President Trump. It seems to be working. The president delayed tariffs he planned to impose on Japan and seems optimistic the two sides can work out a trade agreement. The two leaders also played a round of golf, complete with a selfie, followed by a lunch of double cheeseburgers. We have the best relationship that we've ever had with Japan, and we're going to keep it that way. Yes, of course. Golf and cheeseburgers. The classic Japanese cultural experience. <laughs> you, know, you know what? It almost sounds like Trump's mom sent a note to the Japanese telling them exactly what he needs for a sleepover, you know? Because <laughs> they had it all prepared. It was like, thanks for letting my Donnie stay over. Remember, he only eats cheeseburgers and he's allergic to peanuts and tax returns. <laughs> and sometimes he wakes up in the middle of the night to tweet, just ignore it and he'll go back to bed, okay? Have fun, Donnie. By the way, that whole helicopter parenting thing is very American. It's something that I discovered out here. It's like super American. Fr- like, that shit doesn't happen in Africa when parents send their kids to another house. In Africa, it's just like, if he doesn't eat his dinner, beat him, eh? <laughs> Actually, just beat him anyway. I forgot to do it earlier. <laughs> so, Japan was actually successful in getting President Trump to delay his tariffs, right? And they agreed on new terms. But when it came to presenting a unified front against North Korea, it looks like a double cheeseburger just wasn't enough. President Trump says North Korea's recent missile tests are not an issue for him. The president disagreed with Japan's prime minister at a news conference in Tokyo overnight. The president dismissed North Korea's test earlier this month of short-range missiles, some of which could be capable of hitting Japan. It doesn't matter. All I know is that there have been no nuclear tests. There have been no ballistic missiles going out. He directly contradicted his own national security advisor, John Bolton, and Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, who say Kim Jong-un's tests violate United Nations Security Council resolutions. I view it differently. I view it as a man. Perhaps he wants to get attention. And perhaps not. Who knows? And perhaps not. Who knows? (laughs) I feel so bad for Japan. President Trump basically just said, Because North Korea's missiles can't reach the U.S., that's Japan's problem, not his. Yeah. Can you imagine the poor translator who had to pass the message along? He was probably like, uh, President Trump says uh, he does not give a shit. (laughs) And, and to add fuel to the fire, not only was Trump not standing up against Kim Jong-un, no, he took it to the next level. He teamed up with the Pillsbury dictator to fight the real enemy, the Democrats. President Trump's also siding with Kim Jong-un over his recent comments attacking political rival, former Vice President Joe Biden. The Korean leader referring to him as a low IQ individual. Does it give you pause at all to be appearing to side with a, a brutal dictator instead of with a fellow American, the former Vice President Joe Biden? Well, Kim Jong-un made a statement that Joe Biden is a low IQ individual. He probably is, based on his record. Uh, I think I agree with him on that. Holy shit. <laughs> Look, I, like, I know we've gotten used to Trump being friendly with dictators. But you have to admit, this is on a whole different level, right? Taking sides with Kim Jong-un against Joe Biden. And I don't, like, I don't like to do the whole, can you imagine if Obama did this thing? But can you imagine <laughs> if Obama did this? Like, imagine if Obama took sides with a foreign leader against an American... Like, imagine if he took sides with, like, the Ayatollah of Iran against Mitt Romney, 
right? If he was out in Iran, he was like, uh, the Ayatollah says that uh, Mitt Romney is so white, mayonnaise spreads uh, him on bread. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Uh, to that I say, uh, yes, we can agree on that. That was funny. Imagine if he did that. So not only did Trump go against Prime Minister Abe and condemning Kim Jong-un, he also basically RSVP to the North Korean roast of America's former VP. But in, true, in a true testament to Japanese hospitality, they didn't let any of this phase them. In fact, they invited President Trump to a special event. They invited him to be the guest of honor at a major sumo wrestling competition. This weekend, Abe took the president to see a sumo wrestling match, something Mr. Trump has called fascinating. Donald Trump is up close. A special position has been prepared for him far enough away so that wrestlers won't fall on him. So that wrestlers won't fall on him? You have to admit, that's a smart decision. I mean, can you imagine if an American president was killed because a sumo wrestler fell on him? It would be too humiliating. Like, you have JFK and then this? Like, how would the news even announce what happened? Some horrible news at this hour. The president of the United States has been smushed. Like... Let's be honest, if that happened, America would just have to close up shop after. You can't be a superpower anymore if your president was assassinated by a butt cheek. It's over. It's done. It's finished. So luckily, luckily the president sat far out of squishing range. And once the danger was over, he was allowed to enter the ring for a really special moment. The president presented a nearly 70-pound President's Cup trophy to the winner. As sumo grand champion, I hereby award you the United States President's Cup. That's really generous of President Trump to give away the cup he drinks Diet Coke out of. What a gesture. (laughs) That's nice. And I don't know if you noticed this, but just as Trump was walking out of the ring, he gives one final look back. Yeah, just like for a moment, he thought about taking on that sumo wrestler. Did you see these eyes? Almost like he's like, if I beat him, I become the ruler of Japan. (laughs) It's like, sir, that's not how that... The ruler of Japan! But seriously, though, I I do think it's cool that Trump participated, and uh, I think we should give him a little credit for attending the event. Yeah. Because, you know, Mike Pence would never be caught dead in that room. Yeah, think about it. It's two naked guys in thongs rubbing their bodies together. Yeah, forget a trophy. Pence would be giving them a Bible, trying to convert them out of sumo. Jesus wants you to take up bowling, okay? Just move on. You just put your fingers in the hole. Oh, no! So that's basically President Trump's trip to Japan. And everyone came out a winner. That's good news. Trump had a blast, managed not to break his old cheeseburger diet. Uh, Japan strengthened their ties with an important ally. In fact, the only loser in this whole thing is everyone at the White House, because apparently Trump brought back a little souvenir. We'll be right back. Show. 
My guest tonight is an Academy Award-winning actor who stars in and produces the critically acclaimed HBO series, Big Little Lies. Please welcome Reese Witherspoon. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I've never been here before. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, we're all big fans of what you do. Well, I'm a big fan of you. Your, your show is fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sitting but, back there laughing. Oh, that's that's what I hope. That's what I would hope. Um, let's talk it about works. the show, though. Congratulations, season two. <laughs> Thank you. The, this this show started off in a way that I think very few people could have predicted in in how it connected. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone assumed because of the cast it was going to be successful, mm-hmm. but a story about domestic abuse and a community where there are lies that are being told doesn't seem like it's going to be as viral as it's become. What do you think the show owes its success to? Well, I think it's sort of a peek behind the curtain about how women really feel. I mean, a lot of us, um, Laura Dern, Nicole Kidman, myself, when we were doing season one, we would marvel at the fact that we actually had lines and scenes with each other. Right. When, um, you know, so much of our early careers had been, we were the only woman on set. So now it was this real exploration into the private lives of, of women, like really dealing with serious issues, whether it was sexual assault or domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, infidelity. We, we kind of tackled it all from a woman's perspective. It, it seems like an everyday world where extraordinary things are happening. That's what it really feels like in this space. And you have all of these women who are interacting with each other. But what's, what's crazy, and I don't want to spoil what happens at the end of season one, but, but there is a death. We don't know who's killed or who has been killed or why they've been killed by whom. <laughs> but the second season, as we've seen in the clip, the second season... You... Should I tell you? No, don't, don't spoil oh, it. Yeah, don't spoil okay, it. Don't yeah. spoil it. But, but are you, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you like spoiling shows. Don't spoil it. I know what happens at the end of Game of Thrones, too. Don't, don't spoil anything. Don't spoil anything, please. And, and Avengers and Please, game. please. <laughs> no. Please, we will censor everything. But, they but, all die. N- no. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not true. You have Meryl Streep coming yes. in for season two. Yes. That, I know. Yeah, that's like, that's... I mean... Does that just take everything to another level? Because you've already got, like, a stellar cast that everyone loves, and then you go, you add Meryl Streep. It feels like that's stacking. That's, like, team stacking. That's unfair. <laughs> Nicole <laughs> Nicole and I were pretty shocked when she wrote us an email, and she said, okay, I think I'll join your show, because I think it needs a boost. She was sort of kidding. <laughs> we thought it was so great. And then day one, scene one, I had to be face off with Meryl. It wasn't that scene, but it was a very similar scene. Right. And I was like, I, I got so tongue-tied. I was like, I bad, I bad, 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 bad. And I was like, hold on. I had to go behind a curtain and go, okay, you're Madeline. You're Madeline. You're not, you're not Reese. You're Madeline and you're tough. And I was like, okay, now I got it. And I still went out there and I stuttered a little bit. But, but she, come, she was very thoughtful. And she, she comes in playing a huge role as well, though, because, because um, we do know that there's a, there's a man who's been killed in season one. And Meryl comes in... <laughs> I'm not spoiling that part, but then, like, Meryl comes in as as a mother. (laughs) No, don't tell us. (laughs) And and Meryl comes in going, I want to find out what happened to my son. And it it really creates a new dynamic. (laughs) No, I mean... Well, they have no idea who dies now. 
No, but, but who kills him? You're gonna make me spoil the thing. I feel like I'm trying to avoid the spoilers and you, you're like Jedi mind tricking me into spoiling everything. But she, but she comes in and creates a, a, a new dynamic where you now have a world where it's women are t- who are together and then it's women who are fighting amongst themselves. It really, it really changes the, the dynamic in the show. It does, really. And I think what's really kind of fascinating, too, is because we have multiple generations in, yes. in the, the show. And it kind of talks about different waves of feminism and how exactly. different women feel about the response to a loved one being accused of a crime. Or um, whether or not her, someone she's related to, is um, <laughs> guilty of a crime. Yes. So, um, and also, what is a mother's love? So it's this fascinating exploration of every side of it. Do you defend him? Do you defend his honor even after his death? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean, she was just amazing, and she had so many great ideas too. The fascinating thing is like. Not only do you get to work with her, but then you get to go and have dinner with her, and she tells you all her amazing ideas. So you're just like, it's incredible. It, it's, it's, it's like it's, a master class. I feel really great. I genuinely think the show is going to get even bigger if that's possible, just, just, just by adding that addition to the show and the storylines. But it feels like this is very much what you are all about right now. You, you have a production company that's been really successful. I, I mean, because it's not just this show. You also have um, Big Little Lies. You also have Gone Girl as well that your, your production company produced. And it feels like the storytelling that you have is, is really in touch with stories about women, but not stories that are for women, stories for everyone, which people, for some reason, didn't realize you could make. Has that been your mandate for the company? Yeah. I think, you know, a few years ago, I just decided I was sick and tired of reading terrible parts for women. And, and if it wasn't good enough for me and it wasn't good enough for my, my friends, it wasn't right. good enough for my daughter to be watching how women were represented in the world. So... Um, I just decided to do it myself and started buying books and turning them into TV shows. And um, I just finished one with Jennifer Aniston, which was really great for yes. Apple. And then I'm starting my next one. I start next week is with Carrie Washington, um, based on a book called Little Fires. You, you, just, you read like four or five books a month. I read a lot of books, yeah. And then you just go like, I'm going to turn these into movies. Some of them, not all of them. No, I mean like the ones that you <laughs> that you really love, though. Yeah, it's, the it's, ones I really love. You yeah. just take your passion and you and you create something. Yeah, from because it. I think there's a better spectrum of female the female experience than what we're really seeing in film and television. Right, and right. the great um, the emergence of streaming has made that um, just an opportunity to to broaden the storytelling for women and and for every every person that feels like they haven't seen themselves represented in film. It's a great time to be a creator. People love you because you, you represent stories. You are a fantastic actor on screen. Um, you, you, you're one of the biggest names in Hollywood. And also recently because you've been a face and one of the main, um, uh, you know, propulsive forces in the Time's Up movement. Mm-hmm. That movement gained steam because it was women saying, hey, we're sick of these ideas that are happening. We're sick of these, these things that are happening to us. Yeah. And time is up. When you look at what has happened from the time you were part of the inception and you look at how far we've gotten now, what are you most proud of and what do you still think we need to work on? Well, I think, you know, women need to feel safe in the workplace. I mean, I think if women in Hollywood are standing up and saying, we don't feel safe, you've got to think about our sisters who are working in the farm lands and mm-hmm. our sisters who are working in the restaurant service or the hotel workers. Um, and I think the thing I'm proudest of of the Time's Up movement is raising $22 million for a, a legal defense fund through the National Women's wow, Law that's Center. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not about 
a bunch of Hollywood women saying, you know, boo-hoo, poor us. It's right. actually going, what can we do for our sisters who don't have any legal recourse, and how can we use our collective influence to help them? So, and, and band together, because we are in this together, and the more, you know, we do for each other, the better we all are. Well, I'm excited for everything you're doing on screen, off screen. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah. Wonderful having you. on HBO June 9th. Reese Witherspoon, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.